Introducing Nightlock, a Hunger Games podcast. to Nightlock Podcast, the podcast where we cover anything and everything related to the Hungry Games franchise through news stories, book analyzes, fan fictions, related music, and product reviews, as well as other fun segments. My name is Matt. And I'm Kira. And so today we had the pleasure of inviting Heather back onto the show. She was on with our... Say hi, Heather. Hi, everyone. <laughs> um, she was on our review of the party episode, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So she's going to be with us for today. And so, moving on, we just want to thank the listeners who were listening to our first live show last Including episode, Heather. She was lying to listen. <laughs> in celebration of our one-year anniversary. We really appreciate it. And if you missed out on the live show, you can join us next time for our commentary of the movie. So, so we're not sure yet what the date is going to be. Just summer is kind of crazy for us. But we will let you know. Um, I'll do what I did last time and release a little audio snippet, just letting you know when it is, as well as all the social media stuff. So Yeah, and... Against an estimated time, probably going to be 8 p.m. Eastern probably time. Probably the same the time. States. So, just be sure, just to keep a lookout on the Twitter. We'll post it on Facebook. Well, Kira will post it on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> she'll post it on the uh, website. So. And this time, instead of going to some crazy website with lots of hyphens and slashes, you can just go to nightlockpodcast.com slash live. So, it's our website, just slash live. So, that makes things easier. So... All right, enough about that. Moving on to today's episode. So, on today's episode, we have some monumental news stories. Uh, we are analyzing Chapter 5 of Catching Fire. We are also featuring a fan fiction and a fan-submitted song. And listeners that emailed in had some interesting points that we will discuss towards the end of the show today. Yeah, lots of good stuff. All right, so Kira, do you want to take us away with Pan and Post then? Yes, so Pan and Post, where we cover the most major news stories in the Hunger Games franchise since our last episode. So we'll start with most major, take the show off with a bang. Um, all right, so... I don't know if you guys have heard about this yet. I'm guessing you haven't, Matt. <laughs> so Lionsgate, the Hunger Games studio, as we all know, has announced that Mockingjay will, in fact, be split into two movies. I knew this. So, no, you didn't. You think you know that, but you didn't. Because no, but I, I didn't know it's this. It's been rumored for about a year now, but no, now but they're actually, actually like saying actually this. this. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> all right, well, then you'll have something to say about it. So Lionsgate has already set the release dates, and I'm quite pleased with them. Part one will be released November 21st, 2014, which is a year after Catching Fire. Then part two will be out a year after part one, which is November 20th, 2015. Oh, God. So I'm guessing I didn't look at a calendar, but these are going to be Thanksgiving weekend. They're, like, already marking that, um, which I think will be good for revenue and all that good stuff. Um, so we now know that the remaining films in the franchise each have a number. Uh, I already said that. Um, right, so it's going to be, like, three consecutive years in a row. So this is the only year that we won't have a Hunger Games movie, and then... For the next three years, we'll have it all back-to-back. So it's also been determined that Francis Lawrence, who is directing Catching Fire, will not be directing Mockingjay Part 1, as it wouldn't give him enough time to um, work on it, because Catching Fire is going to overlap with Mockingjay. So, unfortunately, that won't happen. Well, we don't know if it's unfortunately, because we don't know if he's going to be a good director or not. But, um, yeah. So will he direct Part 2? Um, I don't know. We don't know yet. I think they'll see what how he does for Catching Fire, and then if he does well, then maybe they'll sign up for part two. But I feel like this is turning into Harry Potter again. Oh, it is. In Twilight, all that good stuff. No, but not just like the movie being split into two parts. Like the constant changing of directors. Yeah. 
Definitely. So they can't just, like, stick with one throughout the entire series. I think that would be better if, like, for Mockingjay Part 1 and Part 2, they had the same director. Just because I think that it would be more unified yeah. if it was the same for that one. So I don't think they should bring the guy back on for Part 2. Yeah. Should, whoever they pick for Part 1 should have both of the movies. And also I'm thinking that they might um, film it at the same time. Kind of like what they did for Harry Potter and I think Twilight. I'm not sure on that. Um, that they'll just, you know, have all the sets and do yeah. different scenes and kind of just do it all together. Um and the only question left is where the book might be split. Do you guys have any ideas on this? I I, I don't know. It's I have so, no idea. I need to yeah. reread Mark and Jay. Heather, why don't you take the next news story? All right, so a few Hunger Games cast members attended Comic-Con San Diego, which was July 12th to the 15th, to promote the DVD Blu-ray release of the film. If you didn't attend, then you'll enjoy this DVD Blu-ray trailer. We're going to play an 80-second listen at the special features to be included with the film when it hits store shelves in August. All right, so let's take a listen, and then we'll... Discuss it a little bit. Welcome to the 74th Annual Hunger Games! You've seen the games like never before. This is the time to show them everything. With a three-hour behind-the-scenes experience. Well, I had read the books, and I loved them, and then I found out that they were making them into a movie. She's so powerful without, without even, like, trying. It's like she's effortlessly amazing, and, and I think she's absolutely perfect for Katniss. It was a massive training component. When I'm climbing up the tree, I practice first on a wall and learn the choreography of, okay, then right, then left, then right, and then this one and that one. We have 1,200 visual effects shot in this movie. Everything we, we shot in the body of the film, we knew what was going to be in the green screens. He got us all in the shape and, and able to like move our bodies in the right way so that we'd be prepared to, to do all of these things. It's hot. <laughs> I can feel it. win together the hunger games uh, so we just watched the clip and uh, one thing i noticed that i thought was cool was the part where they did the training and how they didn't have any stunt doubles doing any of the climbing of the trees or stuff i kind of thought that you know, Jennifer had yeah. stunt doubles to do it, but it seemed like she did most of it, which I think was interesting. Yeah, because a lot of movies, it's like, it, sometimes it's even obvious. It's like, seriously, <laughs> your head is not shaped like that. <laughs> but I also thought it was cool how, like, they did choreograph stuff. It's like, you don't mm -hmm. think about that. It's like, yeah. like, once you do, it's like, oh, they must do choreograph. But it's like, while you're watching the movie, it's like, it just seems so natural that yeah. it's really nice. Yeah. The visual effects part. Which yeah. Like, well, how they had yeah, like, they already knew what they were gonna plan out, like how mm -hmm. everything was gonna look before they started filming. And it did look amazing, like yeah. really yeah. realistic and everything. Yes. Really, I loved it. So that's what we'll look forward to for the uh, DVD slash Blu-ray, and we'll have an episode where we like talk about all the behind-the-scenes stuff we have on there. It'll probably be a September episode. So, all right. Well, we call this next news story. Philip Seymour Hoffman has been cast as. Oh, you gotta help me out. Plutarch Heavensby. No. Sounds good to me. <laughs> Which is titled, the Catching Fire movie is titled The Hunger Games, colon, Catching Fire. So um, we'll play the clip now of uh, us talking about him before we knew he was cast. And um, Matt, Mariah, Hurley, and I were in favor of him, and Matt was not. So I don't think so. So let's take a listen here. And yeah, what? that's a no. No, I mean... I like Philip. Yeah, if he's supposed to be overweight, then he's I think I kept him. I don't really remember, but um, I think I think he kind of fits the part if he shaved. Maybe they can like dye. <laughs> I, I think Shakira. I think Shakira. I think that's what oh, makes cool. him. Really? 
Mm. Like Central Crane's beer. Yeah. Yeah, he's the new beer. He dies. He can just. He's you know, new, yeah, his beer's the new, the new like crazy thing. Yeah. So Matt, are your um, feelings about Philip being uh, Pluchard still the same? You don't like him? I honestly like I don't know how his acting is because mm-hmm. I haven't seen him in many movies. I probably just disagreed with everyone's saying that he was good to play the part mm-hmm. because I don't think he had the face for it. Like, that's not how I pictured okay, yeah. who's hard to play, which is kind of understandable because everyone has their own image of who the, who the everyone is in their head, but he just didn't fit for me. Like, yeah. I didn't picture, like, his char- like his face being that character. Yeah. What about you, Heather? I I can see him playing that character fine. I'm going to have yeah. to disagree with Matt. Maybe you would care here, but... Yeah, I think that he would be good for it. I mean, I've never seen him act either, but mm-hmm. I'm sure he's talented if he got the part. But I was surprised when he was cast because he is such a big name that it was kind of a fantasy casting him in our Dreamcast episode, but I'm I'm happily surprised at that, so. We'll see. We, we can't really make any judgments because we don't know. We haven't seen the movie yet, so. Yeah. We don't really know. Maybe we'll watch some um, Philip Seymour Hoffman movies and um, can do that. All right, so our next cast member that we predicted was Amanda Plummer, and she was cast as Wyrus, better known as Nuts. So why don't we listen to the clip now of us talking about her as Wyrus. Pulp Fiction. Our next actress is Amanda Plummer. Oh, no. 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 No? No. I'm not not seeing it too much. Pulp Fiction. Amanda Plummer. What else was she in? Uh, Hercules, but that was just her voice. No dog. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) My Life Without Me. No Pulp Fiction? Nothing I've heard of except for Hercules, so. I I could see it. Uh, no. I could see it. Well, if you. I feel like she's, well, too put together, though. Like, she's not. Yeah, she's too normal. Normal. I think Jane Adams looks the best. Thank you, Herman. Jane Adams. Amanda Plummer. Really? Honestly, (laughs) I don't know. The short hair just—it just seems really good. That's. I don't know. Why would a crazy person have short hair? You would think that they would—they would have really long, frizzy, unruly. I don't know. I don't know. The short hair just kind of looks more how I pictured her. But I guess that—I think that's just a personal preference thing. Yeah. Yeah, I picture her hair, like, untamed. Yeah, kind of like, um, Bellatrix, kind of all. So as you heard, Hurley was the only one that truly liked her over Jane Addams. And, um, so I watched, um, what was called Pulp Fiction, where she was, um, she was in the first, like, ten minutes of it. So if you want to, like, see her play a crazy person, it's an absolutely perfect movie to see. Um, and she's, like, in the first ten minutes and then, like, the last ten minutes. So, um, you can watch that, and she plays, um, a woman that's, like, robbing a, um like a restaurant. So, um, I thought like now looking back, I feel like she's a good match, but I don't like the hair. What do you guys think? I, I mean, personally, I I don't like the hair, but, um, Mm -hmm. I think for for the part, I think it looks, I think it's good. I Mm -hmm. mean, they can do a lot to change your hair and everything like that. Yeah. But I think, I think that just the way that her hair is right now kind of just like fits with. Yeah. What? Like being crazy and all that. Yeah. Yeah. 
But it's funny how we, like, we predicted these people. Like, I think I pulled this one out of a hat, like, this na- name. It's surprising that it's, like, they actually picked them and we talked about them. Yeah. I didn't know uh, she was in Hercules. And that's why I was going to see what she was in Hercules. No, we, um, remember on the live show, not the live show, the joint episode, I was like, oh, she was in Hercules, but it was only her voice. And you're like, duh, obviously. <laughs> remember that now? <laughs> well, yeah, because it was an animated movie. Yeah, I know. I know. Who does she play in Hercules? The Fates. The Fates. Oh. Ooh, that's cool. That is cool. Alright, and so our last news story is a rumor, so this is not like a news story, we just wanted to discuss this. So Sam Coughlin, is that what you think? Yes. Okay. Sam Coughlin has been rumored from many sources that he has been cast as Finnick. So, as this could be true, it is not official since Lionsgate has not had a press release or any comment regarding him as Finnick. Um, there's just been a lot of um, different websites and sources that have confirmed him as Finnick, but um, we haven't gotten anything from Lionsgate, so, you know, we don't know yet. But he um, is best known for his role in the recent Pirates of the Caribbean movie, as well as Snow White and the Huntsman. Who was he in Pirates of the Caribbean? Um, yeah. Philip. Okay. Is that the guy who was in love with the, the mermaid? Yes. Yes. You saw Pirates of the Caribbean. Is that right? Okay. Matt, you haven't seen Pirates, right? Yes, sir. Oh, you have? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Did he... I don't know. Do you see him as Finnick? I mean, he's really talented. I just... That's... Just his appearance isn't really what I thought yeah, me too. would look like. And we didn't even bring Plus, him up on... Plus, if he's an English show. actor, he probably uh-huh. has an English accent. Well, I mean, accents you can get rid of. That's not I mean, yeah, I mean, Liam deal. worked in it, on it, but... Yeah. If, I don't know, because it's like, if he's used to acting in English movies, it's kind of hard to, like work to get well, that I accent. I disagree with you because yeah. like, American actors always have different accents in movies when they really portray that. So I mean, yeah, Amer- an American accent is the easiest one to mimic because it's the most relaxed. It uses less muscles than other accents. I'll just throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I do. I don't like him as Finnick. I hope this is a rumor. I don't like this. Not good. I <laughs> want not, Army Hammer. I don't want anybody else but Army Hammer. It has to be him. Like, do you know who Army Hammer is? He's he's a Winklevoss twin. Such a cool name, Winkle Boss. Good, you just um, come up with this. He was in. No, Mariah and I were talking about it. You weren't listening on the live show. We were like, Winkle Boss. He's a Winkle Boss. Um, yes. Yeah, so he played in the Social Network. Um, the Winkle Boss twins. He also played. Um, what movie was that? Mirror, Mirror. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Who's the love interest? Mm, no, I don't really see that. Really? Either. No. You, you should see him shirtless then, because that might help. <laughs> Uh, he's just, he's a, in my eyes, he's a really good actor, and he, he fits the physical description. So. Anyway, we don't need to stare at those pictures. <laughs> yeah. so. Well, who would you see as Finnick, then? Oh, I don't know, that's hard. I could see, like, Ryan Gosling playing Finnick, but I think he's too big of a name to play. Yeah. To play Finnick, but someone... He's a little like old, him. too, I think. He is a little old, but... Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the kind of person I see playing him. Not Sam. Yeah, he's just Clarkson. not... I don't like see that. buff enough too. Like yes. Finnick is really like physically yeah. um, attractive and all that good stuff. <laughs> anyway, all right. So that's a rumor, but we thought we'd mention it just because it's been talked about a lot um, on a lot of different websites. So and Twitter, everyone's up in flames over it. I think most people don't like that. So. <laughs> up in flames. Sorry, up in flames. Yeah. Sorry, I had to do it. All right. Well, that's it for the news. We'll move on to through the eyes of Katniss Everdeen, our main segment. 
analyzing the books by chapters. So now we've opened discussion to the entire series, therefore we will talk about everything. No spoiler alerts, just everything's out on the table. So last episode, uh, live on air, we discussed chapter four of the, sorry, not Hunger Games, Catching Fire. So on this episode, we will continue with chapter five with Matt leading us. All right, awesome. So just to recap, the last part we left off with the chapter four was when the old man was shot, the bullet was through his head. When they were in District 11. 11. Oh, I was okay. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Sorry. So then we take, we take, I can't talk. Okay. We pick up where Candace and Peter are entering the Justice Building after they saw the shooting. And um, this one thing I just noted was that Effie asked what happened. And Peter just simply says, nothing happened, Effie. An old truck backfired. And I found that quite interesting. It just made me question, like, why he would cover that up. Is or why it, he's protecting Effie. Yeah, is it because he's protecting Effie, or is he think that the citizens of the capital are too, like, closed-minded to understand that something like that would happen? Mm-hmm. Well, I read um, the first five chapters to prepare for this episode, and I don't remember which part it was, but it mentioned somehow that they just decided, uh, Hamish, Peter, and Candace had decided to leave Effie out of the bad news loop. Right. Uh, simply, I think they chose to do that just because of Effie's personality, partly influenced because she's from the capital and, like, that, like, made her personality. But she's just not really a person who I don't think could handle bad news well. And since she's from the capital, she kind of sees everything through rose-colored glasses and wouldn't really be able to come to terms with them killing someone. Yeah. Hold on a second. Rose-colored glasses. That's a good analogy. Like, was it, like... Is that, like, a literal analogy or is that, like, a figurative analogy? Saying! I've never heard of it! (laughs) You're, like, intrigued by this. You've heard of it, right? I've heard of it. Oh, God. It's just you, Matt. <laughs> okay. It's just you. Sorry. It's okay. So you're saying you're that, learning. like, he was, she was just, like, too, she's, fathomed, she's fathomed by the idea that she wouldn't be able to understand I d- it, or? I just think that Effie is really sensitive and that she would Emotionally, okay. Or she might say it to the wrong person that something happened, and, like, yeah. they're just trying to protect themselves from Effie spewing that all over the place or something. Okay. That's another element to it. Okay. Um, so, after that happens, uh, Hamish takes Katniss and Peter up to the dome of the Justice Building. And um, he... What I found interesting was that... Well, not interesting, it's just kind of precautionary that he takes the mics off their chest and he stuffs them under the pillow. And they continue walking up the stairs. So, I mean, that's just sort of the precautionary thing that they're, they're not safe anywhere. Yeah. Like, everyone... You don't know who could be listening. Even if, like, they're not on mic, even what they're saying, someone could still be listening to them mm-hmm. with the mic. I thought it was also interesting how he knew exactly how to get there, because he's been there so many times. He's only been there like... once, though. But he must... Oh, she said, right. She says, as far as I know, Hamish has only been here once when he was on the Victory Tour decades ago, but he must have a remarkable memory or reliable instincts. Right, yeah, I think that was my point. I messed that up. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, interesting how he's only been there once, and he knows that, like has either that instinct or, like, he kind of knows where he's going. Like, there's no, like, pauses. Oh, where should I go? Like, just interesting character. Hmm. Okay. Um, where was I? Oh, okay. So, Candace begins to explain what was going on and the deal that she made with President Snow, that she has to fix everything, that eating the berries is an act out of love. And I, while reading this, I had a question. Um, do you think Snow believes that Katniss telling people she acted out of love really stop an uprising? Or is he just setting her up to fail? Like, does he know already that it's not going to work and he's just giving her mm-hmm. a reason 
to is he just giving a reason so he can kill her? That like you didn't prove that this would stop, so right. It's like it's inevitable. A result. Well, Snow would never be able to kill Katniss because she's too much of a figure that they'd never even be able to to get away with like some kind of accident or anything. I think that Snow is just um, asserting his dominance and over Katniss and saying like you have to be my puppet, you have to do what I say. This is what I want you to do. It may or may not help. It probably won't help at all because, like, you know, it's already become an uprising. But I think that President Snow just wants to get the message across to Katniss that he is definitely in charge and she has to listen to him. Yeah, definitely. All right, so after Katniss explains everything to Peeta and Hamish, Peeta suddenly gets enraged and upset about how they don't tell him anything. Like, Katniss and Hamish have, like, this subconscious bond that he's completely excluded from because he's saying that they think he's too stupid or weak. That Pete is. That Pete is too stupid or weak. And um, he gets really upset by it, and he ends up throwing a lamp across, the, he knocks a lamp across the room, which, I mean, it's not a big deal, but eventually Katniss says, I've never seen him like this. So then this product... Which is big, that is a big deal for him as yeah. a character. And then this brought up this question, has Katniss created this image that Peta is strong-willed? Um, and, like, does she, like, see just this one side of Peta because he was hmm. strong throughout the arena? Or does she see him as just, like, she doesn't really see the person he is. She doesn't know him well enough. That she only sees, like, one side of him kind yeah. of thing? Yeah. Do you think that's how she portrays him? Because if she's never seen him enraged, I mean, not many people... Well, like, how often is Peta enraged? We're talking about Peta here. I mean, that's, yeah. like... that's true, too, but do you think, like, she has that subconscious reflex that, like, she's so focused on trying to be in love with him, trying to portray that she's in love with him, that right. she didn't really focus on seeing any flaws with him? I don't know. I feel like Peta just naturally doesn't have a lot of personality flaws. He has more physical flaws of, like... Well, not physical. More, like, survival flaws. Like, Katniss kept him alive kind of thing. And his was more... Um, he he could connect with people more, and he was more social and everything. Yeah, it said in the book, or uh, a quote from Hamish was that, like, you're always so reliably good, Peta. Um, and I think that's kind of what you're talking about, that they kind of left him out of loop just because they knew that he was always going to say the right things. He was, like, right. so good with people. They didn't need to prep him because he's just naturally yeah. really good at that. Yeah. yeah. But do you think he should have been included into what was going on? I think so, because they have to be he, a team. Because he was explaining that he didn't know anything and he still slipped up because he said he was going to give half of the winnings to the Ruse and Thresh's family. And I think that's the first time I really see him make a mistake, right? Yeah. Like, I can't yeah. think of any time previously. Well, even Peter brings up when they were in the arena, and I mean, Hamish had chosen Katniss to survive. Like, yeah. Hamish wanted Katniss to win, and he picked her over Peta. So I think but that I mean, bond did... still just kind of, like, continued, and yeah. Peta was still left out of that. But even, like, Hamish picked Katniss because it's like, are you going to pick the person that's dying or the person that's thriving to, like, help win? I mean, you're not going to help Peta. But how did... He didn't really... He picked Katniss. Yeah. He From the beginning, picked... you're saying? Yeah. He yeah. could have yeah. picked Peta. The justification that he, uh, Hamish had for picking Katniss was because um, Hamish thought that if Hamish tried to keep Katniss alive, Katniss tried to keep herself alive, and Peter was so in love with Katniss that he would try to keep her alive. That with the three of that them, was the best angle. Yeah, yeah. And like, if Hamish had picked Peter, like Katniss would have tried to keep right you know, Peter alive. It's true. So that was what Hamish justified it as. Okay. Right, because I think if she would have known if. Hamish would have picked Peter, and Katniss would have just kept herself alive. When Peter joined the careers, I think she would have killed him right there as well. Because she didn't, because they didn't give that portrayal. They probably wouldn't have given that sense that they were star-crossed lovers, that kind of thing. No. So, 
Uh, so they just come to an agreement that next time, everything, when they make those decisions, Peter has to be included so he knows the right thing to say. Yeah. Kind of portrayed to everybody. And I think they kind of overestimated his powers. Like, he was like, he's so perfect. And now they're like, wait a minute, like, he's not so perfect. Kind of. Right. And Katniss um, starts to compare the districts between 11 and 12 and how drastically different they are, even though they're relatively close together. She says that their fence is unguarded and rarely charged. There's, their peacekeepers are unwelcome but less brutal. And their wait, hearts, sorry, you said that their arts are guarded. They're, oh, 12. Unguarded. Oh, sorry. You're this talking 12. about 12. The fences are unguarded and rarely charged. Their peacekeepers are unwelcome but less brutal, and their hardships evoke more fatigue than fury. Okay. Whereas in eleven, they feel, she was saying that they feel more desperation, like a simple spark would be able to set them off, which is why, like going back to the movie, we saw them start getting enraged when Rue died because that was just like a simple spark, just something that would set. Them They're anyway. ready for a rebellion where yeah. District Twelve isn't quite there yet. No. And so. Um, this also brought up a point for me when Katniss saying like everything is happening too fast for me to process it. The warning, the shootings, the recognition that I may set something of great consequence in motion, and that makes made me kind of think: Is she capable, actually capable of leading a rebellion? Obviously, we do know that in the future in Mockingjay, but as of right now, if we didn't, if we didn't know that, do you think she would be like emotionally stable to handle leading a rebellion and having that? In the back of like mind. in like, this moment, do we think? Dying. Yeah. Okay. Because she says she can't process everything right now, and to be a leader, you need to be able to think on your feet and be able to take a situation and. I can't really put it. No, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I, I personally don't think she's ready because I think her going into the games again and seeing that everyone was fighting to keep her alive kind of gave her more of a motivation. Like, no, people, like this is this is real now that like. As opposed to before, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm a Mockingjay. Like, it's, it becomes more real and more important, and she sees how more and more people are, their lives are in her hands. Well, I think the reason that she's having trouble processing it is because she didn't want any of this to happen. She just wanted her and Peter to get out of the arena alive, and she didn't really think of the consequences that her actions did have. So I think she's kind of struggling to, like, really grasp the concept, like, there's a rebellion. And since she didn't volunteer for this leadership position, she's not ready to accept it yet just because, like, it kind of came out of the blue for her. Right. And it kind of makes you think, how can we look, how can people look up to her if she can't really keep her composure yeah. all the time? I mean, she's very good about internalizing her emotions and just not expressing anything openly, which can be a good. benefit and also yeah. a consequence, because sometimes you need to let everything out and you need to be able to express yourself. And because she doesn't do that, she's eventually going to hurt herself. And when everything comes down on her all at once, she's not going to be able to handle it. Okay. Um, so, skipping ahead here, they're sitting at... They're going to dinner, and... Um, so are they in the Justice Building? Yeah, they're in the Justice okay. Building now. They got prepped, they got ready. Okay. Um, because Senna, the prep team came, like, didn't really understand... We were so oblivious to the events of the day, the shootings, they were so focused on going to a party because Katniss described they rarely get invited to these things in the capital. Right. Because compared to capital citizens, they're like on the lower level. The stylists? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. I, I never got well, that. Well, she said, so. uh, the prep team seems oblivious to the events of the day. They're all excited about the dinner. In districts, they're important enough to attend, whereas back in the capital, they almost never square invitations to prestigious parties. That's surprising. I think that 
they would score, <clears throat> they would score invitations to Hunger Games parties just because like they're the stylus of the yeah, but just like the regular parties, I think yeah. they're just normal citizens with a day to day job. I always thought that this was, like, a higher position. Like, oh, you're a stylist, like, in the Capitol. Like, what other jobs are there in the Capitol? I mean, it's not Senna. Senna is the main stylist, so he probably gets invited to those kinds of things. Okay, but but not the prep Like, Portia, Octavia, they don't get invited to those. Right. Well, Portia is... Not Portia, I'm sorry. Octavia and, um, I don't remember the other names. Uh, Flavis? Flavis and Octavia, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so they're going down to dinner, and Senna asks if something's wrong, Effie. And she says, I don't like the way we've been treated. And that kind of just upset me a little bit. Like, Sorry, Effie's she, saying that? She's saying, like, I don't like the way we've been treated, being uh, stuffed into trucks and barred from the platform. And then about an hour ago, I said, I look around the Justice Building, something of an expert in architectural design. And she says, like, a peacekeeper told her to go back to her quarters and pointed a gun at her. And it's kind of like, that just upset me a little bit, saying, like, she doesn't realize yeah, it's like, like it's like, like do you know what I've been through? Like, yeah. that's nothing. But it's not just that. It's more of, like, she... Effie doesn't understand, like, the situation District 11 is in, that they have to keep... She doesn't understand why the they're doing it. Yeah. But you can't blame her for not understanding. Exactly. I'm going to be on Effie's side with this. Um, I think... I just think, like, she is a capital citizen, and she's used to, like, really uh, prestigious... Like, she's, like she's, has, she has a really prestigious position and she's used to having a lot of respect and stuff like that and being able to do what she wants and so I can see how she wouldn't really like the way she's been treated and I don't really see how Katniss Peter Hamish would like the way that they were being treated either right. you know they're being like soft in people are getting killed I, the situation is just bad Effie's just not picking up on what's really happening she's just kind of giving like the, the aftermath and, like, yeah the consequences of what's happening is affecting her without her understanding the reason so I can see how she'd be upset about that and she's more likely to complain while the others would just kind of keep it in their head. Yes. Yeah. They're standing on top of the staircase going before going down to dinner because they have the line of procession. Usually it's the prep team, the stylists, the mentors, Effie, and Effie Hamish, and then Kenneth and Peta. Did you, did you get that? Yeah, I know. There's a lot of names out there. Like, who's actually listening? <laughs> and so while they're standing at the top of the steps waiting, the 15 steps beforehand. Do you goes. have to tell us because, because that's what FB instructions has to be perfect. Okay. Right. And um, Peter suddenly asks, was that was that really the only time you kissed Gail? And she says yes. Right before they're about to see people. like Yeah. And she goes, um, she responds with a quick yes. With all that has happened today, has that question actually been preying on him? Like, out of everything that... That's what he's thinking about. That's what he's thinking about. Um... I just had to mention that. Oh, teenage boys, you know. <laughs> and so, throughout going through all the districts to do the virtual tour, the same thing happens each day. They wake up, get dressed, ride through cheering crowds, listen to speeches, have dinner, go back on the train, go to the next district. And it's kind of like I made the allusion to um, the life of celebrities a little bit. Yeah. So, like, movie star singers, they go through, like, the same thing a lot. Or, like, a day. singer will go on tour. Yeah, they go on tour, they go through the same different venues, but going through the same thing, cheering crowds, have to perform... And it's kind of like, I just like that illusion a little bit. Yeah. And um, they continued to play the lover aspect by saying, like, they would kiss, they dance, they get caught trying to sneak away to have to be alone. But then again, on the train, they were quietly miserable as to try to get and try to assess what effect they might be having. And that's the question I want to bring up. What effect do you think Candace appear having on all the districts by portraying this, like, the kissing, the dancing, and trying to sneak away to be alone. Do you think they're actually having a profound effect? 
I think, all the districts? Like, for the rebellion-wise, I think it's kind of sparking it up just because they, they're they u- united and, like, they're together and everything. And, like, it shows that, you know, we're together, so why doesn't everyone join together and beat the Capitol? Because, like, everything they've done with the Nightlockberry stunt and um, other things that she's done that, you know, it, mm-hmm. it shows the world that it's, like, things are changing. Like, that now there's two victors, like, instead of one and, like... Yeah. Um, but I also think that she actually points this out that she doesn't feel she's having a big effect on it, on what she's doing, because she says, like, in districts 8, 3, and 4, uh, there's a genuine elation in the faces of the people at the site of Kanesipita, and under the elation, there's fury. So they give that two faced side, being happy to see them, but then also under, underneath that, being, like, in happy to see them because they know that. There's going to be an uprising. Like Katniss really? and Peter are going to start that uprising. But do you really think that Katniss thinks there's going to be an uprising right now? No, but she knows she senses the fury in all of them. All the oh, I thought citizens. you meant the fury in Katniss. No, no. Oh, okay. I mean the fury of the citizens in like districts eight, three, and four, who oh. have that elation of like, um, the elation like being happy and being happy to see the faces. That's what says in the book, elation. <laughs> Where'd you pull and that? And then um, under the elation is fury. Okay. So, um, so we back in the Hunger Games when she was kind of in the arena, we experienced that she went through a lot of nightmares. Even when she was, even at the beginning of the book of Catching Fire, she went through nightmares. Yeah. Um, she still Peter helped her out a little bit. Peter. Peter. Did I say Peter again? Yeah. <laughs> She's still experiencing those nightmares now, and. Um, she would, and Peta, who sometimes would run the train at night, would hear her screaming in her room from the nightmares. And so she said that he would come in and he would calm her down and then he would climb into bed and hold her and they would both sleep together. I thought about how Katniss has always been preying on some form of hope that she needs, something that will get her through all of this, something like Hungry Games, how she was always praying for something to pull her through the next day, such as being at water or bread or finding Peta something like that. Right. And now she has a physical hope to hold on to, which is Peta. So it's kind of like, even though he's not, he doesn't say anything to her to make her feel better, she just knows that him being there gives her another reason to move on every single day and to keep fighting because she's not only fighting for herself and her family, she's also staying strong for Peta's family because she knows that everything that she's done, she's putting Peta's family at risk as well. I don't think she's thinking about Peta's family too much. I think it's more Peta. No, but I think I she, but, think she's okay, yeah, maybe a small, like, like, it's like Heather and Kira versus Matt today. <laughs> it is. It's fine. No, because I mean, when they were back in the dome at the justice building, um, Peta got mad at her and was like, you know, I have friends and family back in the Capitol too, and mm-hmm. I need to be informed of all of this. So I don't really think that. All right. So she's probably yeah. doing that just thinking about Peta and his well-being then. Yeah, not the whole family. Like, what yeah. we've never... We met the dad once at the beginning of The Hunger Games. Like, that's it. Yeah. So. But do you think she still feels some form of guilt for his family, too? Oh, I'm sure. But, like, that's not top on her list. She's got yeah. way no. more priorities than that. Exactly. I'm not trying to make it, like, that's the primary reason she's doing all of this. To protect his family. <laughs> his mom. <laughs> <laughs> it's got... No. But you get what I'm saying, though, right? Now I do. Okay. Um, so where am I going with this? Um, oh, she learns that in District 1, the trivia who she killed was named Margul. Right, yes. I didn't real. I was thinking about that, I'm like, well, didn't we know his name in the first book? But no, we didn't. we didn't. I mean, we called him Marvel because we read the whole that series. that makes you think, but... like, they got the name for the movie from the second book. Right, yeah. Did we hear his name? I, I can't really yeah. remember. Because when Caesar, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. him, 
Or, like, they'd call him Marvel, yeah. like, within the career pack. Oh, probably. Um, so... Oh, okay. Okay, now I want to talk. Now I know what I'm saying. Um, so... <laughs> so when they meet at the Capitol, they're back in the old training center. So they went through the whole victory They went tour. through the whole victory tour. They're at the Capitol. Mm-hmm. In one chapter. And so Katniss brings up the public marriage proposal. Sorry, not in one chapter. We're going to get emails about that. Not in one chapter. Multiple chapters. Multiple chapters, okay. Sorry. Well, they still... No, it's fine. I said it. No, because we no, had the previous chapter about District 11. Yeah. But now it's now they went through all the districts in this chapter. All right, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, so Candace brings up a public marriage proposal. Peter agrees to do it, but she says that he disappears to his room for a long time. Um, and said... Candace goes, well, I thought he wanted it anyway. And he says, not like this. He wanted it to be real. So That's when real or not real starts coming into yes. play a little bit. And so then... Within the final few paragraphs they go of the chapter, they go to have the interview with Caesar. He said she says that he flawlessly conducts the interview and um, Peter gets on one knee during the interview, proposes Cat uh, says yes, and the audience is complete uproar, excited, ecstatic. And um, she meets with President Snow and she he gives her a hug and they, they embrace and um, which is really weird. Yeah. <laughs> and she says that um, he embraces me, enfolding me in the smell of blood and roses, and plants a puffy kiss on my cheek. Ew, really? <laughs> yeah. That's gross. Um, and so she looks back at him and raises her eyebrows. Like, like something how to says, do. Yeah, like, did I do this? How I do Everything it? I work for pay off. And in answer, he gives an almost imperceptible, am I pronouncing this right? Imperceptible mm-hmm. shake of his head. Like, no. Yeah. She could shake off, too. Yeah, that's a nod. That's a nod. Right. Okay, I just wanted to say something about the last couple chapters there. Um, you don't have to go back to them. Five chapters. <laughs> what did I say? Chapters. <laughs> I'm so book-oriented. Um, that it's interesting how, like, like his proposal, which is, like, such a big deal in someone's life, how she just did it in, like, one, two paragraphs. Like, it's not a big deal. It's very insignificant. And, I don't know, it kind of goes to show you how it's, like, Things that should be important in our life really aren't because of the capital and everything that's going on. Kind of, so. I agree. Well, I'm, I'm, ah, I can't talk today. I'm sorry. You can't talk any episode. I know. But I do understand where she's coming because she has that one thing that's dictating her life. The capital. Kind of, the capital is ruling. I mean, obviously the capital is ruling over everybody, but it has a really big profound effect on her because the capital is directly attacking her. Right. And what does that have to do with what I was saying? Because you're saying that has like she can't think about anything else. I'm just saying that things that are such a big deal, like in our lives, like a proposal is like huge. Like that's a huge moment in your life. In her life, just it's just like it doesn't. Like, to it. Yeah, it's like because it doesn't matter. Because she doesn't really feel anything. Because she's only right. doing it to protect her family. Yeah, it, it's just it shows you another way of how her life is so drastically different because of President Snow. So. Mm, I agree. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's chapter five. Yep. In a nutshell. Nice job. Thank you. Very elaborate. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Kira. All Wait, right. Are so. you done talking or you want to keep going? You're on a roll, I think. You're doing good. Heather, um, would you like to read one of our... Actually, you want to read this one? Sure. Okay. So, our next segment is called Fanfic Followers. This is a segment where we recommend and read a, a snippet. I know. A snippet <laughs> of a Hunger Games fan fiction. Uh, the fanfic this week is called Guilty by... 
Sefi oh, Sport. Sefi Sport, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes place during Catching Fire and has the point of view in Gale, uh, point of view of Gale instead of Katniss. So, um, so Heather's going to read a small section of it. Snip it. Snip it of it now. Uh, in this fan fiction, it's all of Catching Fire. I don't think they finished yet, but it's going to be all Catching Fire and what's going on in Gale's eyes. So. Can you see this okay, Heather? Yeah, that's fine. Stop moving. Okay. Mai jumps to Mrs. Everdeen, who doesn't seem the least bit troubled that the peacekeepers are sitting there watching. I'm trying to plead to her with my eyes, trying my hardest to explain to her without actually speaking that taking my shirt off in front of them is possibly the most embarrassing thing I could possibly do. It was their fault, in a way, and I can't let them see the damage. I don't want anyone to see my back, much less two people who I might consider my enemies. There was only one peacekeeper I would have even considered letting see my scarves, and unfortunately that particular person, Darius, hasn't been seen since my accident. I can't help but wonder if his disappearance is because of me. Scratch that. I don't need to wonder. I know I'm the cause of this mess. I guess what I really want to know is where Darius is. If he's in trouble because he tried to save my, my life, that is entirely my fault. Oh, okay. Sorry, <laughs> okay. Um, I can't I can't take this seriously. Nothing of Liam Hemsworth is Gale, and I know it's bad, but... Yeah. Well, I, can't, I can't really take it seriously. We can't but, change it. Um, I do think a lot of this, like, especially the last sentence... Because he tried to save my life, that is entirely my fault. Really relates to Katniss as well. And Harry, Harry Potter reference, okay? Because okay. I have to, because Harry feels that, like, everything bad that's happened to a person is because of him. Well, his friends, it's not his, every person. No, I mean, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, people dying for him, he feels bad because it's his fault that he brought it on them. Yeah, and, or, like, when in the Seven Potter scene chapter, yeah. um, at the beginning of the book, where, like, they're all going to become him. He's like, no, you can't. And he's like, blimey. Like, <laughs> yeah. And so this kind of, this relates directly to Katniss, too, on how Katniss feels that a lot of what she's done is going to hurt people in the future. And they have that in common. They are, they're both, like, really looking out for what people they're hurting, I guess. And I do think the author captured Gail's character very well. Yeah, I thought this was very well written. And, um, like, the whole betrayal thing, which I like, the, the, the two people who are his, or his enemies, I believe he was talking about the peacekeepers, or yeah. it was either Mrs. Everdeen. No, he's but talking about the so. peacekeepers the outside. Peacekeepers? Okay. They're, like, looking in the window or something. Oh, okay. So. Yeah. I so you can read good. the rest of that on our website. We have a link to it, so. If you're interested as well as the other fan fictions we have. All right, Matt, well, why don't you take it away with Capital Opera? All right, so this segment is where... I select, or sometimes Kira selects, what song we will be playing for this week's episode. Sometimes we pick uh, listeners, which we did actually do this week. The listeners submitted a song that they thought, I was suggesting that they thought would fit very well into, would it be, um, not this chapter, but just... Not even this book. Not even this book. <laughs> <laughs> um, not so why you picked this one. I, I liked it. Okay. <laughs> um, this is called Before the Lobotomy by Green Day. So we're going to take a listen to it. And it's from Mickey, which I don't think you said from yet. From Mickey. Oh, yes. She from sent Mickey. in a whole, um, it was like a whole... List of like, Green Day songs. Yeah, list of Green Day songs, and she connected them to different things in the Harems, which was really interesting. So Matt picked this one out of the email. So why don't we take a listen now? Dreaming I was only dreaming of another place in time where my family's from singing 
are washed in misery. Um, I thought of like the tributes in um, either of the games, um, like the families at home kind of like watching them. Um, I didn't necessarily connect it to exactly what Nikki connected it to. Let's just she go said and it was um, how Katniss felt when they uh, they were hijacking people. After the hijacking, yeah. Um, and also the line that was live in underground, District 13. I mean, that's kind of too obvious. Yeah. But... <laughs> um, but- like songs of yesterday, like song "Living Underground" means that they're buried, means that they're dead. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. sure. Okay. Go with that. Put it that way. Um, I also took "I Can Hear Them Singing," which means, um, well, two things. Um, you know, in District Twelve, when they had a marriage, it was a big, it was a big event, and they all did um. The it wasn't song. a huge event. It was well, more it was like, like, it was like it was like a celebration type. Yeah. Event. Okay. And um, to hear them singing it means like being closer together because everyone in the district came to celebrate the wedding and also hear them singing could be um in relation to um a mother telling a lullaby okay or katniss katniss singing the lullaby and um those songs are underground now so because they're dead i thought like when you say that i think of like um like hope kind of like singing is always like hope and joyful like and that's dead kind of thing when I heard the singing line, I kind of thought of different things. Um, I thought of Katniss's father. He had some kind of song that he yeah. sang to her. Right. Um, that might have been in the first book. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Um, yes. That, yeah. Yeah. Well, he had the song. The song she sang to Rue. Rue's lullaby. Yes. Uh, so Rue's lullaby. And then I also thought of how um, Rue talked about in the the first book in how District 11 they like have the singing songs when they're gathering the crops and the when they're whistle. done the whistle. Yeah. The whistle. Yeah. That song. Um, so I kind of also thought of Rue for this game. So thank you, Mickey, for that good song. Yeah, that was really, it really fit. So that will probably be, well, it is going to be posted under Capital Opera on the website. Yep. So, uh, all right. So our final segment for to end the show is Mocking Mail, where we read and respond to your listener emails, tweets, and Facebook posts. You can send in your thoughts, questions, complaints, and compliments to nightlarkpodcast at gmail.com. And there's a good chance we'll even read one of them on the show. Yes. Or multiple on the show, like today. So the first... Is this only... Oh, this That's, is one. It's kind of a long one, yeah. Not, not too bad. Okay. Why don't you take this one, Matt, because they talk about you a lot. Okay. Uh, this is from Lauren. She says, I must admit, I love you guys a lot. Matt, I have the biggest crush on your voice. Oh. <laughs> um, it's funny listening to you guys It's talk. fun, not funny. Fun. It's fun not listening funny. to you guys talk, especially Mariah and Kira talking, though you do get confusing to listen to. I have taken up Matt's special way of telling people off, which is get out. Oh. Thanks. Should we be teaching people these things? No. 
You guys do make a lot of mistakes, though. Not many come to mind, but one that really annoys me is when you call Roosevelt by the Hanging Tree song, which was featured in Mockingjay. Uh, there are two, they are two completely different songs, and when you mix them up, it makes me pretty annoyed. <laughs> Sorry for that, but it is just a pet peeve of mine. I also have one question. I know that this is skipping ahead of the book, but what do you think that Katniss and Peeta's children would be called? I asked my mom, and she said one of them would be called Rye or Lindsay. <laughs> Get it? Peeta, Peeta, Rye, and Lindsay are types of bread. But I think, but I think that like Katniss and Primrose, they'd be named after plants and or flowers. Okay. Well, going to the mistake part, um, I I want to say it's Mariah, not just to, like put the blame on her fault. <laughs> it could have been either of us. Yeah. <laughs> Um, or Matt, yeah. I just have a feeling it was Mariah. Maybe it's because she's not here, but, um, yeah, sorry. We do make mistakes, and it is very helpful when you guys send them in so we can address them. Um, it's not very helpful when you guys send in, stop making so many many mistakes, because we don't know what mistakes. Yeah, because we don't know what we say half the time. (laughs) You're just pocket full of fun. Um, and the second part was question about names. What do you guys think? Uh, <laughs> I think they'd be named after plants or flowers. Yeah. I feel like maybe... Actually, yeah, because, like, you, you see Rue, Katniss, and Primrose are all named after, like, plants and flowers. And it's only Peeta's the one after bread. Yeah. And it's not even spelled the same, right? It's no. different, it so... Different. Yeah, I would say flowers, probably. I agree. Sunflower, right. daisy, all those good names. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Do you want to read this one, Kira? Are you up to... Yeah, it's short. It's good. All right. Hey, guys. You know the whole debate about blank's name, Johanna. Um, if it is Joanna or Johanna and stuff. Well, I think I found the answer. My cousin's name is Johanna, and she pronounces it Johanna. That is my fine for the week. She's German, so the H is a bit throaty. So it's like Johanna, I guess. <laughs> Again, awesome... You can't go that high. People complain. <laughs> Again, awesome work on the live show. Amber Down Under. I mm, I think she's right. I think she's right with the Johanna. I feel like Suzanne Collins would put a spin on it. Well, I know um, I know somebody who's Spanish who has a name that's spelled the same way, and it was Johanna. So yeah, I think, that I think that's right. It's not like Joe. It's yeah. the, the Johanna. Johanna. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and we've been saying it wrong the whole time, but we haven't really mentioned her too much, so... Not too many but you know, it's like it's understandable too. Like we all pronounce things. Like when yeah, I was in Carlisle, I pronounced Carlisle like Carlisle or whatever. Me too. <laughs> I can agree too. So <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like we all have our spin on it. Yeah, and I thought it'd be interesting to see what the audiobook said because you figure the audiobook has to have it right. Mm-hmm. So why don't we take a clip now, a listen now, and uh, see what they say? Still seems like a really long leap for some of the tributes. I mean, we're talking about Joanna Mason here. So as we heard there, it said Joanna. So I don't I know. I think it's Johanna. I think it's Johanna. I think that would make more sense, more like a Hunger Games feel to it. Yeah, yeah. Because when I read Joanna, I was like, wait, it doesn't seem like. Because yeah, you have like wires, BT, Finnick, and then <laughs> Joanna. Joanna. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, we'll find out in the movie, I guess. Whatever. That's well, weird that the audiobook would not be Johanna. Like I feel like that's right. Okay. But for the audiobook to be wrong, that's kind of weird. But All anyway, right. moving on to the next email. Um, do you want to read this one, Heather? Sure. While listening to your podcast, live episode 28, here are my views, uh, here are my views when the different districts, where the different districts are located as well as their size 
in population and landmass. He keeps moving. I'm trying to... Okay, go. You mentioned that District 12 was one of the largest districts. It is mentioned in both Hunger Games and Catching Fire that District 12 is one of the smallest in size population. Canis makes mention of this when discussing a t- District 12 rebellion with Hamish. Can I just stop there? Right? Okay. I think if we were talking about not population, at like acre size. Or I don't even, know what we were talking about. I can't remember now. Long, I, I, I probably was thinking like it's biggest like land wise, not population. Because we, didn't we say it's eight thousand people? It was like in the first chapter of the Hunger Games or uh, second or yeah. something. It said well, 8, back 000. in the day. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. All right. um, but yeah, now that they mention um, the discussing the twelve rebellion with Hamish, I do remember that now. He's like, we don't have enough people. Yeah. Anyway, keep going. Uh, right, sorry. Go so while District Twelve was filmed in North Carolina, Collins has mentioned a number of times that it is set. That it is set in what was Appalachia and was a mining district. Most of the larger coal mines are in West Virginia, eastern Kentucky, southwest Pennsylvania, and extreme northeast North Carolina. The capital is probably located in Salt Lake because the book mentions that the Rockies separate the capital from the eastern districts. Mm. Brad. I've always thought the capital was located... Oh, thank you for reading. Um, The capital is always located in uh, Denver, Colorado. Well, where are the Rockies exactly? I'm not familiar with the west as much as the east. Anyone know? Oh, okay. I don't. Oh. I, I always <laughs> thought it was go around through there. Colorado, but I don't know which side Denver's on. Yeah. I'm going to have to disagree with the District 12 where Brad thinks District 12 is, simply because in District 12 it snows, and it definitely does not snow in mm. North Carolina. It does, but not but very not deep. In, not like, enough for not when... <laughs> not, um, not a lot of feet. Like when she jumps off of the trees, yeah. is that what you're thinking? Yeah. When she jumps off the trees, when she gathers all of the snow... To put on Gail's back, it does not so that much in North Carolina or Kentucky. I'm thinking more the Pennsylvania or really north yeah. uh, West Virginia. But I think it's, it's not necessarily just one state, and I think that's what I implied on the live show, that it yeah, was one state, which I, I didn't mean to say it was one state. I meant to say multiple states, but I think I was talking about North Carolina more than anything else. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think it's more like it, some of it is up north and some of it is down. But then when we picture it, like 8,000 people, like I picture, when I picture it, it's much smaller. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't picture it that big. But. Well, I don't want to like, I don't want to be creepy and say anything about where we are, but well, we're we're near New York City. Yeah, so. well, our town has like fifteen thousand people in it. Yeah. yeah so like, so, how how can that be spread out through multiple like states as we see it today, as like landmass, like you know, like that's I really that's what I'm thinking. They're it all doesn't really together, and then it's all woods. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, but, like, you do have, like, the seam and then the center of town and then, like... But, I mean, for multiple states, like, they can't walk. they got to be able to walk. Everyone has to be able to walk to the square. Yeah, I agree Because to, like, congregate and everything. So it kind of conflicts. Yeah. Why are you laughing? Fourth grade word. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So thanks for emailing that in, Brad, and everyone else. Do you want me to? I'll go ahead. All right. So we'll just plug a few things for the end of the show. As always, if you're interested in starting your own website over at squarespace.com, there's a two-week trial for you because you are a Nighthawk podcast listener. So to run your very own website, including your own domain name, such as .com, email us hosts at nighthawkpodcast at gmail.com. You can also email us with any other comments about this episode or previous ones. Just shoot us an email again. That is nighthawkpodcast at gmail.com. You can click on the contact form on our website, nighthawkpodcast.com also. So you can like us on Facebook, that's facebook.com slash nighthawkpodcast. Follow us on Twitter, that's twitter.com slash nighthawkpod, P-O-D. And subscribe on iTunes, you can find all those links. I know I've said that before, but you can actually now find all those links on our website on the sidebar on the left um, at nighthawkpodcast.com. Our website has a few new additions, so go check it out. Again, that's nighthawkpodcast.com. So I've said that enough times, so I'll plug in other different websites here. 
Now, we have a few new affiliates that we wanted to mention on the show. Give them a shout-out. There's Panem Propaganda. You can find them at panempropaganda.com. They're also on our affiliate um, page that you can just click right on their banner, and it brings you right to their website. There's also Hunger Games Portugal, which is hungergamesportugal.com. So you can check out those as well as our, all our other affiliates. And if you want to be an affiliated with Nightlock Podcast, just shoot me, Kira, or Mariah an email at nightlockpodcast.com, and we'll work out when, what we can do. No, no at nightlockpodcast.gmail.com. I think they know it by now. I think yeah. I've said it maybe so ten times. Um, so I'd be more than happy to have you join our Definitely. group family, kind of, the Hunger Games family, and we'd be more than happy to support you. We're them. family now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Shira, okay. Anyway, all right, let's so, recommend books. All right, so to end the show, we're going to, as we do every episode, recommend a few books that we have read or going to read. Or have only read half of them. only read half of a book, <laughs> and um, that you guys might enjoy. Uh, we originally started with sticking with, like, Hunger Games related stuff, but now we're just going yeah, on. Yeah, we kind of ran out of those yeah. within a couple episodes, so. Yeah. So um, do you want me to start? Sure. Go right. ahead. So I'm going to recommend "Message in a Bottle" by Nicholas Sparks, and we all know which is either PG-13 or R. Just throwing that out there. It's I don't know that page, Matt. <laughs> that page. It's like it's probably one of his less sappier books. Okay. Compared to like a Watch Remember or the Last Song. Do you want to give um, a little synopsis? Quick? Um, basically, what it's about is um this newspaper columnist. She goes to Cape Cod. And um, to go on vacation, and she's on the beach, and she finds a message in the bottle. In the bottle. Oh, okay. Written That's from, hence the title. Written, yeah. from, um, written to Caroline from a person named Garrett. And so she's focused now on trying to find who this Garrett is. Okay. That's Interesting. That's basically synopsis. All right. And that's by Nicholas Sparks. Again, that's Message in a Bottle. Do you have a book to recommend, Heather? I do. I know this has been recommended before, but I'm going to recommend it again, because I think that's a really good book, and you should all read it. It's The Giver by Lois... Lowry? Lois Lowry, Lois? maybe? I don't, I'm not sure how to pronounce it's it. It's spelled L-O-I-S. Yeah. So I don't, <laughs> don't know how to say that. Um, but, yeah, I really liked it. Just a quick synopsis. It's set in, like, a different society. Kind of the same way that The Hunger Games is set in, like, a lot different of, society. A lot of connections, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's just kind of, like, about the life they're living in. I, I'm so bad at explaining books. So me too. But um, just to help you out a little bit, it's, um, it's I think I would say it's post-apocalyptic. Yeah, yeah, I can never say that. I would say that. And it's kind of its own society, and it's very, very strict. Yes. And it's um, there's a lot of like underlying messages that I read it when I was in third grade for a book club, and then I read it again uh, this past year with Mariah, the book club we're in. And it's like you see so many more things reading it when you're older that it's like you just kind of washed over your yeah. head before. Um, so it's interesting to read it again if you have read it. So. Um, and I'm going to recommend the book Beautiful Creatures by, it's actually two different authors, which is interesting, Cami Garcia and Margaret Stoll, I'm going to go with. Um, I don't, I can't really describe what it's about too much because I'm only like halfway through it. doesn't really help us, but... Okay. Yeah, well, it's being turned <laughs> into a movie, so that's one reason to read it. And um, it's kind of, it's about like this, um, I would say kind of like sleepy town that it's like always raining, I guess, very much like Forks um, in Twilight. Um, it's not like Twilight, though, so it's okay. You can read it. Um, and there's this, like, big mansion that it's um, it's kind of like Boo Radley. Like, someone like that lives there, and it's very, oh like, creepy. Um, oh, that was two years so ago. It's, wow. Yeah, we don't need to reminisce right Whoa. now. I'm talking. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's an interesting book. I'll do a follow-up and uh, let you know if I liked it. I'm kind of not quite into, like, the fantasy part of it. It's more of... Um, 
getting to know the characters at this point. But so that's all we have for today, folks. So we'll I want to thank Heather for coming on to the show today. Thanks yes. for inviting me. Yeah. And um, so once again, keep a lookout when we'll post a date for our live show. Yep. There's going to be so, one more episode before yeah. our live show, um, which the live show is going to be a movie commentary where you watch the movie along with us. And you can um, comment in our... Um, That's going to be a long episode. Yeah, it's going to be a very long episode. Um, but you're watching the movie with us, so it's not like you just have to hear us talking. There's other things that make it, us interesting. Maybe we should do it at 8 o'clock Eastern. Whatever, we'll, 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 we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We don't need to have a business meeting on air. <laughs> um, so yeah, look out for that, but we'll have another episode before that. So All right. we'll see you then. All right, bye. We good? Yeah, sure, you shut me down on that one. So, well, um, you don't admit things like that. Just, just. that he's a pretty big name. <laughs> <laughs> you were like. <laughs> you look like dead. I'm sorry, that was just really funny. Oh I thought you were God. laughing at. You said he's a pretty big name, and I thought you laughed at it because it's something you weren't supposed to say. No, you were just like. <laughs> sorry, unprofessional. <laughs> Oh, Where did man. I leave off? Big name. But yeah, I was surprised because he's. <laughs> <laughs> you make weird noises. Oh god, okay. Alright, stay still. You need like a little water squirter. Right? <laughs> you something bad. A little operant conditioning going on here. Okay. okay. Sorry, 8, 4, and 3. Um, there's a genuine. <sighs> Sorry. I have something in my throat. You're so <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So. All right. Well, Matt's segment is Capital Opera, so you can intro your yeah. own segment. Thanks. Thank wait, wait. That's <laughs> <laughs> I already Kira. introed that. That was just weird. I was like, yeah, I got it. Okay. Oh wait a minute. I I didn't get that one. No. Did you get the first line? Anybody? You got it, right? No. Nope. I can dreaming. Nope. Um, no. <laughs> All right. Moving on. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. So last segment for the show is Mockingbird. Mockingbird. Do you want me to talk? Go ahead. It was funny. Did you hear us laughing the whole movie, Rosie and I? I was sitting right next to you. Yeah, <laughs> <you're> yeah, laughing. 